Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now oi brit picks Johnny. Hello, oh, you old bad. What, what, what's your name? It's Clive. Clive. Oh, I didn't remember you, Clive. It's been a long time since I see you. Oh, come on, Johnny. You know, you'll take a few, you'll take a few hits to the noggin there. Well, you know, I had a few drinks today. It makes me hard to remember names. But what are you doing over here? Why are you coming to my house? Oh, I just wanted. Well, your house is like a fucking podcast studio. Well, you know, don't, don't worry about that. I need to know why you're here. Well, I'm here. I thought I was doing an introduction here. Well, just what, 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 introduce it. You just you shut up my fucking door. Uh, just introduce the fucking thing. I'm, I'm like, tell that, tell that piece of shit there to calm down. Now. Oh, I don't like you, Johnny. When you like this, your name's not Johnny. I'm sorry, I'm so drunk. You're right Johnny, now. you fucking moron. Oh, Johnny, oh, you're gonna have to edit this. Real oh bad. God, man, this is a podcast where they talk about people that talk like us. Kind of. I kind of lose my... So you. So what you're saying is you, you came to my door yeah. to tell me about a podcast. A podcast. Uh-huh. But I'm kind of lose my accent when I get drunk, so don't worry about it. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a podcast where they talk about British film. Ah. And this week, they're talking about a movie called Sexy Beast. Ah. And it's a movie about me, obviously. Yeah. Now, do they also do introductions that are sort of racist because they're making fun of other people? Oh, I wish they did. Is, is the British a race, I guess, is the question. I mean, we're white. We're white. Ah, oh, it's fine, then. <laughs> hey. 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 Hey, cheers. Yeah, cheers, man. Oh, fuck. Oh. Anyway, how long we got? Oh, I think they're walking in right now. All right, it's time. Let's get let's get these guys in here, and I want to hear about this movie. Hey, hey. Have a good one, eh? Have a drink on me. Have a drink on me. Hey, who's that fucker with the balding head? I don't like I don't like you. Alright, let's just let him sit down and talk. Hello, gentlemen. Have Aww. a seat. You, we're just gonna sit here in the corner. He looks shifty Thanks, to me. He looks shifty. Look, uh, we're just trying to do a podcast. Hey, bugger off, eh? Well, I mean, if we, we, we can't really bugger off because we're doing the podcast. You guys are here to watch the podcast. Hey, he's just trying to watch the podcast. Just sit down, Clive. Uh, 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 listen, I'm gonna sit over there, but if I detect any bit of like mocking or anything like that, I'm gonna hop right in. That's fine. Just, just sit down. All right. I like this other guy, but you, you're a fucking piece of shit. Well, I, I, I thank you for the criticism. Now, sit down, and we'll talk about some movies. All right, cheers. Sit down, Brendan. <sighs> you were you were you were uh, rather silent during that confrontation, <laughs> leaving me to handle it. I'm sorry. I was scared. <sighs> I Such was, a pussy. I, yes. 
<laughs> you won't even come and defend your fellow podcast host. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Oh, I get to the movie. Okay. Shut up. Okay, just, just you need to you need to calm down. All right, this week is a little different. Yeah, that's it, it is. Yeah, you notice at the beginning those guys we brought them in and then they shit on us. But the point is, the I guy. Gonna, I think it'll be here every week. No, no, don't worry about it. Okay, okay. Why are we doing this in their house? That's what I'm confused about. Well, this was the only place where we were able to find a, a, a room suitable for this sort of thing. It's I mean, very tiny. It's very, I mean, it, you know, it, it, you, you might, guys, you might think it sounds a bit different. I mean, I mean we're in a different location, obviously. Yeah, clearly. Um, we're, we're actually in England right now, in this uh, guy's house. Yeah, it's, uh, I was going to say what time it was, but that doesn't make sense. You can be listening it's, it's, to this It's four time. hours ahead of where we are. It's four hours ahead of whatever time it is for you right exactly. now. Exactly. Yeah, assume that. <laughs> We assume you only listen if you're on the Atlantic coast on the AST uh, zone. Well, I mean, we do have a movie to talk about. We do. But this is a podcast. This is a podcast called... For Screen... And Country. But this week is different, Brendan. And you're Jason. And I'm Jason. What is, why is it different? It's different because normally what we do is we go through the BFI list and occasionally we'll watch sequels or remakes and we'll have a lot of fun that way, but we have a new concept this week. So no fun? No fun whatsoever. Oh, this week, shit. This week's concept is Brit... Picks. Oh. Bow, 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 bow. Ba chow, ba chow, Brit picks. And what we're doing is that Brendan and I, or me specifically this week and Brendan specifically next week, mm. get to pick a British movie that is not on the list, and we're going to talk about it. And then, folks, and this is this is for you right here, on the third week, we are going to watch a movie picked by you, the listener. And I have quite a collection of, uh, of picks uh, given, given to us by some listeners. Lots so of great suggestions. I feel like we'll probably just... Pick one at random. No, yeah, well, well, yeah, we'll yeah. pick one at random. Uh, yeah. We'll we'll figure it out, or uh, maybe we'll sit down and put our heads together and discuss it and and have some cool. wine. Yeah. Oh, we can. That's another thing we're never gonna do. Uh, well, what are you doing back here on the mic? Sit down. Sit down. You're not invited for wine. You're not here for that. We're here to talk about a movie. That's a third guy that just walked oh, in. Oh, it's a different guy. They, they all look the same. They all have those like brown jackets Jason. and the, the brown hat. Jason. They all look like dustmen, bro. They all look the same. They all look the same. All British people look exactly the same. <laughs> they wear Welcome a lot of red. They have white powder wigs. You know what it's like. Um, I think you're stuck on a certain era, but that's okay. Um, but yes, we're, we're of course, last week we were still on the BFI Top 100 and mm-hmm. we talked about uh, Gandhi. Gandhi. We will go back to that and read some comments. Uh, however, we will, we're going to wait till our little our little specials are wrapped yeah, up. Yeah, we're, we're finishing up the year with a little bit of fun. Yeah, so maybe we should just announce, um, you, you announced like we would have you know my pick and yeah. then the audience pick, but we should say that my pick will be next week. Mm-hmm. And then on December 16th, Jason... We're going to do something a little different than all, all of that. We're going to talk about a movie that is not on the list, but there's no Christmas movies on the list. Yeah. So we're just going to talk about 1951's Scrooge. And and having seen The Bells of St. Trinian's and seeing Alistair Sims' performance, I've never actually watched this Christmas Carol. And he has always been uh, described as the ultimate Scrooge. And with the voice that sounds like this, of course, how can he be anything but? And... I am delighted to find out it is 88 minutes long. Thank Jesus. <laughs> thank Dickens. And, and, and also thank Jesus for this week's movie, which also had a runtime of about 93 minutes. Yes. Oh, and I want to say, and then after the Christmas episode, we are going to take a two-week break, December 23rd, December 30th. There'll be something there, mm. but it, it won't be full episodes. Yeah, don't expect full episodes. We'll be on vacay for we a We want to have a Christmas, so leave us the fuck alone. Yeah. <laughs> Ease up, okay? Yeah, relax. Um, but then on uh, on January 6th, we'll, of course, return with the audience pick, and then we will go back to regular episodes for about two weeks, and then we'll have our rankings. 
All right. Because we're getting close to that, Jason. Getting close to the ranking, folks. So get get your pens and paper out and get your own rankings down. We'd like to hear what you think of the last 25 movies we've watched. 40. 40 movies we've watched? Well, I mean, uh, I assume we're going to rank the last 20. Yes, yes, yes. We're not going to do a combined list until the end. Right. We won't start putting it together until we get a little further in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Jason, we are, we've spent uh, approximately seven minutes not talking about this week's movie. No. So we should, uh, what you, you have bestowed this upon us, sir. So let us Absolutely. know. Absolutely. Give us a little uh, insight into what you've given us. This week's movie is, is the 2000 crime epic. Follow really. that Follow that bird. <laughs> follow that bird. No, this week is uh, uh, 2000's wonderful crime movie. Sexy Beast. Strolling along, minding my own business. Well, there goes a girl in a hat. She's got me going up and down. She's got me going up and down. Walking on the beaches, looking at the Girl, that you got some suntan lotion in that bottle of yours. Spread it all over my peeling skin, baby. That feels real good. All the skirts lapping up the sun. Fuck yes. It's a good theme. That is a good theme. Yeah. So 2000s Sexy Beast starring... We got Ray Winstone, Brendan. Ray Winstone, Brendan. We got uh, Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley, Brendan. Ben Kingsley, Brendan with a dash. He's got, very he's very upper class. Ian McShane. We got Ian McShane of yeah. the of the, the best of the McShanes. By the way, first movie I've seen him in where I hear his real accent. Yeah, it was startling. Yeah, I know. And to hear him actually speaking in a British voice, it's crazy, <laughs> yeah. huh? You yeah. never saw that uh, the tennis movie he was in, the Woody Allen tennis movie. Match Point. That's the one. No, I haven't seen. It. Oh, I just elbowed the drawer. That was uh, that was Clive back there. Yeah, Clive. He's uh, he's uh, bouncing Oi! around. Oh, what are you talking about over there? You gotta relax, there, Claude. You guys, you guys just settle. Yeah, relax. So yes, 2006 Beast. This is a movie that I saw many years ago, and I remember being very taken with the Ben Kingsley performance. And it, it's been a movie that's been kicking around in my head for a while. And when we decided to do this idea, thanks to me, uh, that was the movie that came to mind for us to do. So, and it worked out that we did, we did Gandhi last week, yeah. where we get to see one of Ben Kingsley's like career defining performances with a performance that I would argue is also a career defining performance. It's crazy because there was no plan. No. There was a plan to do this movie yes. before we rolled Gandhi. Yes, and that just happened to work out that way. Yeah, absolutely. So the dice gods have been—they're a little cheeky, a little cheeky this week. But we're cheeky. gonna we're gonna talk about it. So let's yeah. let's give you a basic rundown of what this movie is. So this yeah. movie is about uh, uh, Gal. It's played by Ray Gadot. Winstone. Yeah, Gal Gadot. <laughs> played by Ray Winstone. She's in, she's in real rough shape in this movie. She spent two weeks in Spain tanning and ate a bunch of food and got super fat. So <laughs> so, so Gal, is uh, he's, he's an ex-mobster. You know, he's retired from the game. He's, he's out of it. He's uh, taken his, his ill-gotten gains, Brendan, and he's moved to Spain, where he's set up with a lovely villa. He hangs out with his beloved wife, uh, D. His, uh, Dee Dee. Didi? Didi, Didi, yeah. Didi. Uh, his old buddy H, 
who I assume was also a mobster with him, because just look at the guy. Played by uh, Kevin Kendall, who actually uh, died before this movie came out. Yeah, he died shortly after production. I was, it was yeah. crazy to see that, unfortunately, because he's great in this. Um, yeah. And then uh, and we have H's wife, uh, what, Jackie? Jackie, yes, yes played Jackie. by uh, Julianne White. So they're all living the living the single life. Uh, well, not the single life, but like the, the childless couple life in Spain. They've got a beautiful villa in, in a place that looks like it was filmed where MASH was filmed. It probably wasn't, but it looks like it was filmed where MASH yeah, was Yeah, Donald Sutherland shows up in yeah. this movie. Oh. He's doing his little whistle thing. <laughs> For some reason, Alan Alda didn't take up. <laughs> and then and then they have a really inappropriate scene with uh, the, the female in that movie. I just remember there was something in the Ma- uh, MASH movie with the, the female with surgery. Hot, hot re- lips? Yeah, that really ages poorly now. <laughs> Probably, but also in the show, too. I mean, you know, they, they you know Hot Lips was the piece of ass on base, and it was 1950. There's a show? We have to talk. <laughs> So the, the, these two couples, they've, they've moved uh, to Spain to get yeah. away from it all, and they're living the great life. Uh, as the movie opens, uh, Gal, played by Ray Winstone, is lying in the pool. He's tanning. He's just, he's loving it. He's got a pool boy who appears to be about a 14-year-old boy who's just hanging out uh, cleaning the pool, mm-hmm. and he's living the life. But he gets out of the pool, and uh, randomly, a boulder falls down from the mountain that uh, his house is perched on, rolls down the hill... Uh, and and shoots past Gal's head very close. He, he just misses him and lands in the pool, damaging the double heart design at the bottom of the pool. This is a problem because he loves the pool. And it's also some foreshadowing, Brendan. It's a little bit of foreshadowing that we'll talk about as the movie goes on. Long story short... Uh, he's visited by an old acquaintance, one Don Logan, played by Ben Kingsley. And Don... Sir Ben Kingsley. Sir Ben Kingsley, my apologies. Yeah. He, he is a knight. Sir Ben Kingsley, sword and armor equipped. <laughs> yes, he enters with a medieval suit of armor. I am I am Sir Don Logan, and I am here to recruit you for a job. That is the most opposite of his performance. Yeah, that's exactly the possible. opposite. No, Don Logan is a... a, a He's a character, all right. He's, he's a, a sociopathic psychopath. Psychopathic, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but he's a mobster, and he wants Ray Winstone's safe-cracking skills on a job that they're taking, and will do anything to convince him. Uh, and eventually, uh, he, uh, Ray, uh, uh, rather, Gal says no. He goes to leave. He comes back. He says, fuck you. They get into it. He dies, and uh, but Ray Winstone, a.k.a. Gal, does go back to England. He completes the job and comes home. That's your movie right there. But there's more detail to it, and we'll talk about it in our discussion. It's a flashback to when we discussed it. Uh, So this, yeah. um, So first of all, Jason, I want to say, last week we talked about Gandhi. Mm -hmm. And we talked about how, I mean, we had different opinions on the movie, but we both agreed that Ben Kingsley was phenomenal. Mm. Oh, amazing. Like He, uh, and I, I think we can agree, he channeled... For what we know of Gandhi, he channeled the man. Oh, 100%. Ben he, he presided, he, I mean, we can argue about what, what how accurate that portrayal was, but I think we've got a real sense of the guy through his amazing performance. Ben Kingsley in that movie, to me, is what, like, Jim Carrey does in Man on the Moon. Yeah. Like, that Like that performance just, is the best part. And he probably did it without being an asshole offset. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard Ben Kingsley's story, so I'm not sure. Who knows? <laughs> um, but, but the thing is, like, to go from that to this one, and this is Ben Kingsley in a supporting role, which I was always led to believe, having known nothing about this movie, other than he, of course, got nominated for an Oscar. It was another big thing that happened, mm-hmm. um, that he was the lead. So when he shows up, he has, I don't know, 15 
20 minutes 15 minutes of screen time maybe well, 20 minutes I mean, he's he's basically yeah because it's like probably 20 minutes at least in the movie before he shows up and then yeah, yeah he's not in it for the whole thing but yeah. man he makes an impact it was it made an impact on me in 2000 whatever when I saw it and it made an impact on me well today. That, that's the thing so Ben Kingsley's a really interesting kind of actor because mm. He does these things where he does things like Gandhi. He does things like this. Um, I, I haven't seen it, but I'm told he's very also he's also very good in House of Sand and Fog. Mm-hmm. Um, he plays then, Mazer Rackham in the Orson Scott card uh, or the adaptation of the Orson Scott card novel Ender's Game, which I thought was a lovely choice. Um, and, and then and then you know he does things like Prince of Persia. Yeah. And uh, the, the what what is that dinosaur time travel movie called? Uh, I did it on my other podcast, and I can't think of it. Lava Girl and Shark Boy. No. I mean, yes, we did that, but... (laughs) um, uh, Time Travel Dinosaur Movie. the movie with, like... uh, Land of the Lost? uh, No, it's got, like, Edward... Not Norton. Edward... Edward Furlong? No, the other shitty one. (laughs) Edward Burns. Edward Burns. Hey, when are you going to get Edward Burns? I'm going to look 88 Minutes isn't a bad movie. You you just keep talking. I'm going to look this up. <laughs> or is it 15 Minutes? Which oh, Sound of Thunder. Sound minutes. of Thunder. Oh, right. That's right. what it was. So my, my, my point, <laughs> I do have a point here okay. coming up. Uh, my point is that uh, Ben Kingsley is a really interesting actor because he does all these, like, he does these really, like, powerhouse performances, but in between there's a lot of crap. He embodies the ethos that Ben Affleck sets out in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. The idea of you do one for you and you do one for the one for the paycheck. You gotta alternate. You gotta keep the keep the train going so you can do the things you wanna do. And Ben Kingsley to me is just an example of a of a working actor, despite the fact that he you know, he's a knight and he's and he's been nominated and won Oscars. He won, right? That year? Uh, he won one. Did he win he for Best Actor? For Gandhi. But best actor. Yeah. Okay. So he, he's an Oscar winner. Yeah. So he won the Oscar. Like, he's a great actor, but he also understands you got to do movies to make that paper, Brendan. That's true. You got to do what you got to do. He's got to stand toe-to-toe with Jake Gyllenhaal in a, in a combat scene. Absolutely. But um, Ben Kingsley in this movie is unlike any of his other performances no. that I've ever seen. No. It's such a strange... Like, it's such a really... I don't mean to just generalize and saying it's great, but yeah. it's great. And it's just, it's so unique. Yeah. Like, it's, I don't feel like I've seen anything like it before. No, not quite not, not quite to this level anyways. I mean, we've seen plenty of crazy gangsters in movies, but nobody's quite, at least in my experience, nobody's quite hit the level of crazy to the level of, of Ben Kingsley does in this movie, of a guy who's clearly, like, has some sort of, like, I don't know if it's obsessive-compulsive disorder or a mix of, of, like, some sort of mental illness that just makes him there's, so fucking <laughs> over the top. Yeah, there's definitely some mental instability. And not like, you know... You know, you'll see a lot of actors play psychos in movies, and they'll they'll, they'll be like, oh, I'm crazy! And you're like, okay, whatever. Like, it's fine. But in this movie, like, he really gives you the sense that there's something's not screwed on right. Yeah, and, and there's a linchpin scene for this in this movie, which really makes me want... Like, like, is really the scene that I have to mull over to understand what kind of guy he is. And it's a scene where he's on an airplane, where he's he's been told to leave, he said no, race, or rather, Gal said no. After much cajoling by uh, by Ben Kingsley's character, yep. you know he, he tried to he tried to sweet talk him. He tries to insult him. Uh, at one point, he it, while he while Ben Kingsley's character Don is shaving, he's just amping himself up in the mirror, yeah. talking to himself, and he fucking just stops shaving in the middle of shaving and walks into a gal's room where he's sleeping and just starts beating the fuck out of him while he's sleeping. Just kicks him in the chest. Just kicks him in the chest and fucking. Of course, that the wife goes off and everything, and yeah, he takes off. But he's so he's on a plane. Do you have that clip, Brendan? I do have that clip. So let's play it. Let's listen. Sir, I'm afraid you can't smoke. What? What do you want? Your cigarette. You have to put it out. Cigarette? What? This? No, I'm not going to put it out. 
You must. What's that? If you don't, we can't take off. Well, that's your problem, isn't it? It's your move. I'm afraid you no, can't... No, I'm not going to pull it out. You're just going to have to wait till I've finished it. As simple as that. Why don't you just put the cigarette out? What's that, Sancho? You want me to cut your hands off, use it as an ashtray? Yeah, I'll put it out, providing you're prepared to let me stub it out on your eyeball. I'll put it out. Agreeable? No. Here come the gay brigade, look. I'll tell you what. I'll get off the plane. You happy with that? I'm happy with that. I'll smoke it outside. Open the door. I hope this crashes. Open the fucking door! So yeah, so so in this scene, as we heard, he, he lights up a cigarette. The stewardess tells him he can't smoke. And he's like, well, fuck you. And, and so she has to bring in, like, the security to basically haul his ass off the plane. But he jumps up and is like, oh, I'll smoke it off the plane and leaves. What's interesting about this scene to me is that it, it made me question exactly what type of character he is. So my, my initial thought was that this is representative of just how much of a, like a crazy contrarian this guy is. He's on an airplane in the year 1999, we assume, because that's when the movie was filmed, or 2000. Yep. Uh, by that point, the idea that you could smoke on a plane was still was gone. You, you couldn't do There's that. There's nobody that thought you still There's could. There's nobody that thought you still could. So clearly he knows what the deal is, and he still lights up a cigarette. Uh, my immediate thought was that this was just an example of his contrarian nature, that he's like, he's the kind of sociopath, psychopath, that he doesn't like being told what to do, and the idea that he can't smoke on a plane, like, like any rational person would know that that's going to get you kicked off the plane, but he doesn't give a fuck, and he's willing to push it, right? Uh, and then get kicked off the plane. My second thought, though, mm. after I went through that, was that maybe this was his, like, again, his sociopathic uh, brain's mind... It, his brain's way of giving him an excuse to get off the plane because uh, he had gone to leave, right? He had failed. He hadn't got uh, Gal to come back in on the job. And I don't think his brain likes the idea of failure. And so rather than just like getting off the plane of his own volition and going back and trying to convince G- uh, uh, Gal one more time, he just fucking, his brain decides that this is, this is his way to do it, that he's like, oh, I got kicked off the plane, rather than to be like, oh, I intentionally left the plane to come back and try and get you one more time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just, he's like, he's like, fuck it. He's like, this is my, my excuse, you know, the way, this way it's not his fault. And then, of course, when we see that, that, that character, that craziness, that manipulativeness come in shortly thereafter when he's in... Uh, security and he claims that the um, uh, one of the flight attendants or one of the uh, like cr- air crew grabbed, grabbed him. him. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that's an interesting, interesting uh, choice to make. Uh, and for some reason, they believe him mm. enough that they're willing to like let it all slide. Well, the way he handles it because it's strange because. Yes, he has that thing where, like, well, you explained his the idiosyncrasies of his personality, mm. but he's also f- pretty intelligent at yeah. times, too. No, he's not a stupid guy. So, so he knows how to kind of get to people. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so when he's saying this, he's all like, you know, I don't plan on pressing charges. It's not the kind of person I am. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you sh- I'm just saying that you should maybe have a talk with him about yeah. this. No, and, he, about- and he's totally manipulating them in the way that he manipulates everybody else. Yeah. He's, it's a combination of charisma and intimidation that he can use in equal measures if necessary or lean one way or the other. Well, and Jason, this is the this is the interesting thing about this character. We're going to talk about this character a lot yeah. because he, 
for the amount of screen time he's in this movie, he's a fucking he is this movie. Yeah. Like this has been Kingsley's movie. Absolutely, no question. And no, no offense meant to any of the other no. actors. Everybody, this... everybody else in this movie is is great, is great. But it's like it's it's it's, and I probably used this metaphor before, but it's like when you see Scott Hall standing next to Kevin Nash, he seems like a short guy. But it turns out that Kevin Nash is over seven feet tall, and Scott Hall's like six 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 eight or something. Yeah. So he's not short. He just always looks short next to Kevin Nash. I love your wrestling. <laughs> but the thing is with this. Um, is that not only does he 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 kind of like he kind of makes his presence known right away because as soon as he enters the movie we don't hear him speak for quite a while no we just he see comes, that that centered on shot of him walking through the airport walking through the airport he gets in the car he doesn't talk no but anytime something goes by he stares at it yeah he looks at it, he stares it down and then he looks back ahead and we see him look at Jackie at one point which we later learn why right and that's like kind of a little a little hint because that's the only other time he looks over. And the other thing is, like, when he gets to the place, when he gets to the house yeah. to do the recruiting, the way they're all sitting, he is sitting up on the ledge yeah. where he is, like, literally above everyone. He's holding court of the sort. He, but yes, exactly. he's above everyone. Everyone is around him in a circle. And I know, um, so that airplane scene, this scene to me is his is another big example of his character. I yeah. want to play a little bit of his, like, just his introduction in this Please, scene. please do. I don't Malky is all right, I suppose. He's Malky, and he don't know. You'd have to ask him. You patch things up? It's up to him, innit? How was the flight done? It was all right. So this is a Spanish villa, is it? Yeah, this is it. The old Hacienda. Bit remote, innit? Bit cut off. No, it's perfect, Don. It's just how we like it. Do you want to have a look round? Yeah, I will in a minute when I have a piss. Right then, girls. You fit? Where are you going? I'm just taking the ladies out for something to eat. Leave you two to it. What, ain't I invited? No, Tom. No, 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 of course you are, Tom. Only I thought you might want some time. Talk about things. No, I'm joking. It's all right. Here you are, I'll get it. No, that's all right, Tom. No need for that. H, behave, I'm paying for your meal. So, like, he dictates the flow of the conversation. Yeah. It, they try to small talk him, and he says, no. No. I'm small talking you. Like, he said, like, they even ask him, like, in that scene, you heard they say, like, uh, how was your flight? He's like, it was all right. It's all right. And then he goes, and then he cuts that off, and he goes, so this is the Spanish villa. Like, he will small talk, but mm-hmm. he is the one small talking you. Absolutely. And and as we established the way he's sitting, he's kind of, like, lording over everybody. He's controlling the conversation. And then when H wants to take the ladies to dinner to get out of this awkward situation that H and the ladies obviously don't want to be involved in, he insists on paying for their dinner. Again, he wants to be that person in the position of power to be able to swing his dick and hand the money and yeah. be like, hey, no, I'm paying for it. Because then later he could be like, I gave you, I paid for I'll your dinner. I paid for your dinner, I'll have. Yeah, he's he's also, I mean, I mean, maybe this is an obvious thing, but he's wearing all white. Yes. His shirt is completely white. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I think that's a that's a big thing for me. Is like, And that also helps later on, too, with uh, some contrast issues. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just like, he he's in such control, though, that like any little thing that he doesn't kind of expect to happen. He reacts to with 
craziness like mm. with with bursts of violence with bursts of uh massive amounts of swearing mm. which makes one of the funniest lines in this movie is when um gal is obviously super nervous about telling him he doesn't want to do this job yeah. because we we before ben kingsley even appears on screen we know that he's intimidating because they they mentioned that he's called and tried to recruit him yeah and gal's like oh god tell him this tell him this uh tell him this they're all yeah all of them know who he is and all of them are clearly like oh fuck are we gonna have to deal with this guy Right, and so when he's like, when he's like, um, uh, telling him, I've lost my train of thought. When Gal is telling him, like, when uh, that he's not going to do it, uh, Ben Kingsley is like, why, why not, why? Like, it's just very like, you know, what? I'm just going to play another clip because I've got so many clips of Ben Kingsley, yeah. but I feel like I just want to play all of his dialogue. <laughs> so this is another one I just want to, I just want to do. This is him reacting. Just listen to how he like he handles just. Not getting his way. Yeah. Talk to me, gal. I'm here for you. I'm a good listener. What can I say, Don? I've said it all. I'm retired. Shut up. Cunt. You louse. You've got some fucking neck, ain't you? Retired. Fuck off. You're revolting. Look at your fucking suntan. Like leather. Like a leather man, your skin. You can make a fucking suitcase out of you, old all. Look like a crocodile, fat crocodile, fat bastard. You look like a fucking EDR man, you know what I mean? Stay here. You should be ashamed of yourself. Who do you think you are? Give me the castle. Cock of the wall. <coughs> what, you think this is the Wheel of Fortune? You think you just make your damn fuck off? Leave the table. Thanks, Don. See you, Don. Off to sunny Spain now. Don, fuck off, Don. Not on your pool like a fat blob laughing at me. Do you think I'm going to have that? Do you really think I'm going to have that, you punts? All right. I'll make it easy for you. God, you're fucking trying. Are you going to do the job? It's not a difficult question. Yes or no? Don. Say it. No. Yes. Fuck off, wanker. You're doing it. Right? He yeah. doesn't. He doesn't take it. He well, does. And, and it comes. It. It, it comes out of uh, Gal's um, reticence to actually just straight up say no because he yeah. knows that he's going to have to deal with this crazy motherfucker who's going to get so mad if he says no and he's trying to dance around it. But but he has this ability that is reminiscent of school bullies. I remember where it's just yeah. like they just keep at you. And and I should say I, I lost my train of thought earlier. But what I was going to say was my favorite part. Mm. My favorite one of my favorite lines in that scene is when uh, Gal is stating his case and says no I'm I'm fucking useless and and Ben Kingsley's mean to take it back is like why are you swearing I'm not swearing yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly. before he just launches a tirade and because he because it's the thing where he's like if I'm not swearing already you shouldn't be I'm controlling this situation. Yeah. It's a crazy, crazy character. Yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely a character who is good at what he does, clearly, because he can get people to do shit. But like he, and that's why I imagine he's in the employ of uh, Ian McShane's character more than anything, is because he knows that he has the ability to convince people to uh, get involved in the job. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of, I don't know if you, well, obviously, I know you're a Kevin Smith fan. Mm-hmm. Um, the story he tells about Prince. Yeah. It reminds me of one of the stories he told about Prince, about about how uh, Prince said to his agent, uh, I want a camel. 
and didn't understand why he couldn't have a camel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just this guy who just, this is what I want. Wait, yeah. what do you mean you can't get it from me? Why not? Yeah. Like, what's the reason? I, I don't understand. I sure hope Prince wasn't as much of an asshole as uh, <laughs> Don Logan would have been about it. Well, according to Kids. You get me a fucking camel or I'll chop your heads off and <laughs> use them as an ashtray. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, yes, Ben Kingsley, Don Logan is amazing. Um, so, we also have to mention, too, another another issue of tension here is the fact that Don admits to uh, Ray Winstone's character, Gal, that uh, he had fucked Jackie, right. H's wife, uh, three years previously. And he's so sexually repressed, right? Yeah, yeah like, he seems like he's pretty yeah, sexually repressed about it. But also, he's got that attitude of, like, he wants to talk about it. Like, yeah, I fucked her. She was great. She had great tits. It's weird, though, because as soon as he tells her that, yeah. or tells him that... He immediately regrets it. He's just yeah. like, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. It's a weakness. I shouldn't have admitted that. Like, he, he opened himself up a little bit. And yeah. he feels like immediately he's like, shit, now they have me for something. Yeah, exactly. In, in his position, that that is dangerous to him. It's almost like, I, don't, I mean, I mean, I apologize if this is incorrect. But it feels to me like he has, and I mean a violent form of it. Yeah. But I feel like he has a, a, some kind of form of Asperger's. Mm. In that, in that he doesn't read the social cues, but also he's kind of hyper-reading social cues, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, he's, he's an interesting character that way, because he, he knows what's going on, and he knows how to manipulate people, so it's not I like would, he's totally uh, adverse to social interaction, but he has his own way of doing it. He doesn't necessarily, like, adjust his methods to deal with people on an individual basis. He has one method, and that is to be fucking Don Logan. Yeah. I, I would love to hear, like, Ben Kingsley actually talk about, like, in depth, mm. like, what he kind of put into this role where, the, where he kind of drew from the, the one thing I read is that he he believed like Ben Kingsley believes that Don Logan was abused as a child which explains okay. a lot of his um, of how he operates and, and maybe add some new insight into the scene of talking about, about being sexually molested by the uh, air crew right you know right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and just the, like even just like his facial reactions in scenes where where people tell him no, his facial reaction is just like a sullen like stare, and then like a face like, what? Yeah, like, like how could you possibly say no to me right now? You don't know. You don't know what could possibly happen to you. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. I mean, if that, if that like that was his motivation, possibly. But like maybe he was also just like a spoiled child. Could have been like possibly abused yeah. but spoiled. Yeah, maybe abused by one, spoiled by the other. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh-huh. I mean, you can you can definitely be both. I mean, you. you I mean, we'll get back to Ben Kingsley. There's a lot to say about him, yeah. but you you talked about the big rock that yes, that, and I think that um, is a good way, a good uh, kind of door to get into the symbolism of this movie. Yes, so there's tons of like really like metaphorical things because mm-hmm. I don't think there's actually a killer rabbit in this movie no I don't think so no so yeah the, the biggest metaphor obviously right out of the gate is when this boulder comes crashing down the hill and smashes into his pool and, right. and hits uh, hit the hits the heart design in the pool I mean obviously that's a big metaphor for, for Don Logan crashing down oh, on yeah. Ray or on uh, Gal's life and also affecting his relationship with his wife because it's it, it, it's an interesting thing because clearly gal loves his wife dearly yep. Yep. like it, the, there's no question throughout this movie of his devotion to his wife um and there's really no question between the other couple either they yeah, seem no, to get along yeah, fine exactly they all seem perfectly loving well-adjusted yep. ex-gangsters yep. <laughs> and ex-strippers or porn stars or whatever but yeah. you know they're just trying to live their lives and and Don is this boulder that just fucking steps into the middle of it and of course Dee Dee doesn't like him and for good no. reason and has never liked him um, but and, and obviously doesn't want Gal to get involved in this thing at all because they are out 
they are out, but they clearly need his skills, and Don Logan is the guy to try to get him back. And and it's funny because he does. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. We we, we I mean, we should get into that ending yeah. as well. But um, well, ending like not even ending, but like. But I mean, like how I feel like the way it wraps up, it kind of. I, I maybe I'll come back to that. Come back to that in just a second. But yeah. I just want to talk about. Um, the after the boulder crashes, um, we even have H, who is his best friend, played by you know the late Kevin K- Kendall, uh, tells Gal uh, even the, just the simple scene where he says, "What are you gonna do about the pool? Are you just gonna get regular plain water? You know there are different shades of water you can get aquamarine." <laughs> and and he says, "What are you talking about? I'm just gonna get water." And I mean, it seems like a silly little scene, but it's almost like he's also commenting on how average and normal his life has become, yeah. like. You're not going to go outside the norm even a little bit, and yeah. Gal's like, no, 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 no. Like, and this, this is, is just what H likes to do because we see him at the end of the movie making a similar kind of pitch about uh, permanent hair to his wife. Yeah, about, uh, it's going to be the big thing, you know. <laughs> and and I mean, uh, the anthropomorphic rabbit. Yes, uh, that I mean, shows up in a dream that he has. Which I, now, what I love about this scene, Brendan, is that he's having this, this what is clearly a dream because it's all saturated blue. He's sitting in the middle of a field eating dinner, and this fucking Donnie Darko rabbit comes up. That's what I thought of too. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was a year, the same year or the year before, I think. Yeah, it was around that time for sure. But people must have been watching these. We'd be like, "What the fuck is What's with all the these rabbits? rabbits? What, what, what about weird fucking rabbits? Is so two thousand? Imagine if us had come out that same year. Oh. Those- man. <laughs> oh. But uh, yeah, so he's having this dream. But my favorite part of that scene is that they then cut away to him sleeping so that we know he's in a dream, <laughs> that yeah. this isn't really happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But do you think the rabbit, I mean, uh, the, the thing I got it from it was the rabbit is like his his past. Yeah. It's like it, it's always, because like if you notice, when they're out trying to hunt a rabbit, yeah. nobody can shoot it. Oh. And he's the only one that doesn't try to. Yes. So it's almost like they want, they're not able to like... I don't know. It's like it's almost like they're not able to let go of their. Are they able? They're able to kind of let go of their past, but like he's not. Like it's just like the past is always kind of like lingering in the background. Like the rabbit's like getting away. Like yeah, you're still thinking about it. You're still thinking about it because I think ultimately in this movie, uh, Gal, like Ray Winstone's character, maybe at the very back of his mind, but I feel like it's still a little bit there. Like, mm. do I miss it? Even yeah. just a tinge. I think he does a little bit, but I think he also uh, is really focused on his wife, and he knows that that she really will have an issue if he gets back into this in yeah. any way. I mean, but you know what? You you were going to mention the ending, so I, I think we should talk about the ending, cause but, or, about, or about the ending of Dawn, anyways, at least. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you, yeah, you were, go ahead. So what? So initially, we don't know exactly what happens because because we see the, the scene on the plane, which I love, by the way, which is a great scene. I love that we don't see. We don't we see don't it initially. Way. But Don comes off. He goes back to the house. He walks in. He fucking grabs a bottle and smashes Gal across the head and starts, you know, uh, uh, yelling at him or whatever. And then it cuts away to um, to Gal in London, to back in England. Doing the job. Doing the job and, and meeting up with uh, uh, Ian McShane's character. And Which, by the way, we should also mention that this whole job came because Ian McShane's character went to an orgy. And was sodomized. And was sodomized by a bank manager named Harry. Yeah. Played, who, by the way, played by James Fox, yes. brother of Edward Fox. Oh, man. Who we saw in the previous movie. Connections everywhere. And James Fox is going to be in like four other movies we do. Nice. <laughs> He's a good actor. Um, so, yeah. And, and in the course of the sodomy, I guess, he explained to him or, or uh, told him that there's this vault in the bank where they store all the stuff and Ian McShane goes in there and takes out a, a, a safety deposit box basically to scope everything out and puts a pack of Dunhill cigarettes in his safety deposit box 
And, uh, uh, yeah, so he gets a sense of what's in there. And I really like that scene of him sitting there on the couch and then the camera kind of zooms in through the doors as they open into the vault. It's a really yeah. cool scene. Um, so that's the job. They have to get into this vault and they need Ray because he's very, or Ray, a gal because he's very uh, accomplished at this sort of thing. Safe cracker. So he goes over there and in the course of him being over there and getting ready to do the job stuff, we start seeing flashbacks of what actually happened. Yep. It turns out that his wife, Dee Dee, had grabbed a shotgun and come out and as uh, uh, Dom was going nuts, had fucking shot him with the shotgun. Which, you know, hit him and made him all bloody, because that's what shotguns do. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. And the white shirt, again, was very, made the blood look very prominent. And even as he's laying there dying, he's still like, going he's off. He's a fucking, he is a contrarian to the end. He's yeah. fucking going off on them. A fuck Jackie. A fuck Jackie. Three years ago, I fucked that. And like, they're, they're, and everybody, this is the thing. Everybody gets involved in finishing this guy off. Did you get, did you get a Rasputin vibe? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was, exactly, that he wasn't going to die, yeah. for sure. He gets shot uh, twice. He gets shot twice. Uh, well, it, it basically all comes down because he, he hits he hits Gal with the bottle. Yeah. And then he Smacks is, the little kid, too. Well, the little the, the 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 boy, the pool boy, comes up to him with a rifle, the hunting rifle that yeah. he had, and jams it in his chest, and Gal just basically, or, or Gal, rather, uh, Don basically stares him down. He's like, go ahead, pull the trigger, and just pulls the rifle away from him, and then... Gives him a good old good old rifle butt with the rifle, knocking him out. Uh, yeah, and then he's shot with a shotgun, and then fucking uh, a gal gets on top of him and starts punching him, and then fucking uh, the wife comes over and grabs the the rifle off the ground and puts another shot in his chest. Still doesn't kill him. Uh, Jackie comes over. She gives him a couple of fucking kicks to the to the body. But finally, it's H when he's like, "I fucked Jackie. I fucked her." And, and he's like, "Well, now I'm gonna fuck you." And he fucking finishes him off with like a he crushes uh, a skull. Yeah, with the barbecue or something. Yeah, it was nearby. Just finishes him off. And he's dead. He's out of the way. So he's in the in London doing the job, and which which involves them having to go underwater and and drill into this vault, which they eventually manage to do. It takes them a while, but they get in. They flood the vault, but they get all the all the loot. Uh, there's some weird fucking shit in there. There's some weird bondage pictures and yeah. pearls and money and coins and whatever. But, um, and he happens to pocket a, a pair of earrings for his lovely wife, a pair of ruby earrings that come up. Yeah. But in the course of this, Teddy, played by Ian McShane, wants to know what the fuck happened to Dawn. Yeah. And Ray Winstone tells him, oh, he, he called me from Heathrow. He said he was, uh, he said he was fine. He's like, why would he call you? He's like, oh, I don't know. He just called me. He's like, well, he didn't call you. Well, he did. He didn't call you from Heathrow. <laughs> and they basically go back and forth. He's like, okay, well, he maybe didn't call me from Heathrow, but he called me and said he was at Heathrow, which, of course, is all bullshit. Right. And this transitions into the end of the movie where um, they're having a party. They're celebrating the job. is successful. And uh, Gal's getting ready to leave. And Ian McShane's character still wants to know what the fuck happened. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll drive you. Come with me. Can we play the silence that happens in that car? Sure. This is this is going to be a this long clip of silence, <laughs> but there's a line. There's a lot of silence, and then the other line. And it just gives you an idea. Just imagine Ian McShane looking at Ray Winstone for this entire duration, and it's, it's and he's driving too. It's quite it's quite scary. See, if I cared, gal, if I fucking cared, if I gave a solitary fuck about Don.
get out of the fucking car. So this is after. So what happens? He pick. He says, oh, "I'll drive to the airport." They uh, on the way to the airport. He's like, "Oh, hey, I gotta make a quick stopover." He's like, and of course, gal's not stupid. He's like, "Well, shit, <laughs> this is probably the end of me." Let's see how this plays out. Yeah. They go to what ends up being Harry's house, the bank manager, who's like, "What are you doing here at two a.m.?" And he's like, "Oh, my friend needs a drink. Come on in." And so they go into the house, and he's like, uh, "What do you want?" And he gives him a whiskey, and then Ian McShane pulls out a gun and shoots Harry, kills him right there. And then basically presses Gal on what happened. And eventually Gal's like, I, what does he say? Like, I, I don't want to, or I want to be out of this. Or. Yeah, something to that effect. Anyways, it's clear that he figures out what's going on. And so basically Ian McShane is like, here's, te- I, I'm going to pay you $10 for $10. that job. Do you have a change for a 20? Oh, you don't? Well, I guess you're not getting anything. No, I think he does. I think he pulls out the change. He, does, oh, does he goes it? through his wallet and he pulls out the change for him. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, so it, he pays him 10 pounds for the job. He's supposed to get like 3% or something. Yeah, and, uh, something like he's a billionaire. But because he lied to Ian McShane, and that's the point that Ian McShane makes, he says, if I had given a shit about Don, you'd be dead. You'd be dead. You'd be yeah. dead already. There'd be no question. But the fact you've lied to me, I'm not happy about it. Here's 10 pounds for your work. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So, I mean, but the, but the, the real the real thing at the ending is that um, Gal did the job. Yeah. He did it. I mean, he killed Don Logan. Um, but I'm also, I'm almost like, man. He kind of would have been better off if he just did it. Because now he's got this murder on his hands. Yes, he does. Um, I mean, yes, Don Logan's out of his life. But yeah. but at the end of the movie, Ian McShane even says, Oh, you're living in Spain. Oh, I might pop in for a visit. You know he's coming back at some yeah. point to be like, you're doing another job for me. Yeah. And guess what? You ain't you ain't getting shit for it. Well, pro- or very little. Perhaps there's more room under the pool, one yeah. might think. Uh, um, but the... Um, the thing is, once once we get to that ending, I mean, there's other parts of the movie I want to talk about too, but let's talk about the ending right now. Is that once we get to that ending, um, Gal even says, you know, uh, he hears Don in his head saying, like, you, you did the job, didn't you? And he's like, shut up, Don, you're dead. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then uh, but he gets this little, like, quick tinge in his eye. Like, yeah. it's almost like, like yeah, I kind of liked it a little bit. And yeah. then they cut to underneath the pool we see the fucking rabbit again the anthropomorphic rabbit just like kick open the coffin that has dawn in it and dawn's just laying there smoking as if he's as obviously he's dead as if he's still alive and it's almost like he's just like fag off (laughs) yeah but it's almost like it's gonna haunt him it's gonna haunt him and also like is this his part of his personality now like is dawn logan basically where gal's headed yeah. In a way. I mean, he's not going to be obviously as fucking crazy as Don Logan. But, but he's in his head for but the it's, rest of his it's, life. It's just resting at the bottom of yeah. his consciousness there. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I, think it's, I think it's a very uh, interesting ending. It kind of, it's like, it's almost like he's kind of trying to bury that. Yeah. But it's always there. It's always there. It's, it's always, always going to be there. to remind him. The telltale hearts, as it were, in the bottom this of his pool. You remind me. Oh shit, Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm into that. I'm into that. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about uh, the, the the background of this movie a little bit because I mean I know we we we're we're, we're formatted a little differently now. We're, mm-hmm. we're we're a little more open, Jason. Yeah. But I do want to talk about um, how this is uh, this is not a typical British gangster movie. No, and, certainly. And, and and you picking this, I thought okay, I didn't know much about it, but I was just like okay, it's a British gangster movie. I mean, cool. 
like it'll probably be entertaining. But I appreciate this pick because mm. this is outside of the norm. Yeah. Outside of the box. It's not just it's not just another version of Snatch. Yeah, this is not yeah, just not just like, you know, uh, <coughs> a retreat of Lockstock or whatever. Yeah. This is its own thing. And unlike a lot of like other British gangster movies, the, the gangsters is the gangster in this movie, Ray Woodstone, who's mm. wonderful. We didn't talk about him enough. Yeah, he's no, great. he's great. He's amazing. He doesn't want to do the job, and it's not like you know. It it sets it up like it's going to be this heist movie because mm. he's like, we need a job. We need eight men, eight able men. We got this job to do, and you yeah. you think it's going to be like all oh, the planning of the yeah. heist and all that, but it's not. No, that. Jonathan Glazer, the director, is like, fuck all that. We're we're going totally against the against the grain, yeah. And it the movie is all the better for. Oh, absolutely, because like yeah, a heist movie would not have allowed Ben Kingsley to really like play out this character to the level that he was able to. I mean, we get to see this guy really get to understand what he is, and it's it's great for it. And yeah, I mean that's the thing. If 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 the heist itself had been a bigger part of the movie it wouldn't have been the same movie and even like um if you look at the history kind of a british gangster movies I mean, we have uh things like bright rock back in the 40 the late 40s which is on this list which we'll get to eventually uh the things in the 60s like you had the italian job you had sleuth you had the ipcrest file all michael Caine movies michael um into uh things like uh, the long good friday stormy monday and then you know things kind of all the day-based and... crime movies exactly i knew you were gonna as soon as i wrote that down i was like jesus is gonna fucking say something you know me too well uh and then things kind of peter out until the 90s because it's all kind of retreats yeah until lock stock and two smoking barrels kind of picks it up again. really really like revolutionizes the british gangster picture and you can feel that because what was that 98 97 98, yeah. 98 you can definitely feel that influence to this movie this movie is not to the guy Ritchie level of right. like of kinetic i would say no. but but you can definitely feel it this this movie it's funny going back and watching this movie after all these years like it is definitely in retrospect a product of its era the soundtrack is very early 2000s in a good way but like it and it's perfect for the movie but it definitely has that vibe of those of those guy Ritchie movies in some ways and you know it doesn't necessarily have the fast cuts and yeah. crazy angles and stuff like that but the the energy of the music and everything it feels very early 2000s but suits the movie very well well, and I was going to say, the big difference, too, though, even even looking at British gangster movies, the big difference between them and the American gangster movies mm. is the British ones don't tend to over-glamorize their gangsters. No. Like, Ray Winstone is a, you know, slightly overweight guy. He's living comfortably. He's yeah. not he's not rich. I mean, he has a pool and everything. He has a nice villa in Spain, but he even says, like, I have enough money to get by. Yeah, and from what we see of him, he's not necessarily a terrible person. He's just a guy that did a job. You know, I mean, we don't, know, we don't know what he did. Yeah, he's a, yeah, true, he was a safe cracker. We don't know all of his past, yeah. but we're assuming he's not a guy who carried out brutal murder. He doesn't seem to be the sort. Like, he doesn't have that, uh, that air about him. He certainly sees right. some shit, but... And and he's kind of he's um, an unwilling participant, which yeah. is not a common character you get in these types of movies. But in the same um, way, yeah, yeah, everyone involved in the heist is usually enjoying it on some base level. But um, I mean, maybe maybe it'd be interesting to kind of learn about how this kind of came out, sure. came to be. Um, I mean, you have a, a director, Jonathan Glazer, who I'm fucking like, I'm fascinated by this guy because yeah. he's made three movies. Okay, yeah. he's made this one, which yeah. was his feature debut. He did a movie, Birth. Which is, I don't know if you've heard of Birth, but it's a movie where Nicole Kidman, uh, uh, her husband dies, and then suddenly there's a child, uh, son of one of the couples, and claims to be the reincarnation of her husband. So it's very, yeah, it's a very interesting movie. Um, It's like that David Duchovny movie, but in reverse. 
Yeah, but made a lot better. <laughs> Still creepy at times, but not uh, not David Duchovny horning after his daughter. Yeah. And the other movie he made, of course, is Under the Skin, which is another very divisive movie mm-hmm. uh, with Scarlett Johansson, which is fucking terrific movie yeah. um, that took him 10 years to make this wow. is not a guy who needs to shell out movies every year no, like, he, he does a lot of commercials and music well maybe not so much music videos anymore but he did a lot of music videos and yeah. he's done a lot of commercials he did he did some crazy innovative music videos he's worked with Jamiroquai Radiohead Blur um, the Jamiroquai the Jamiroquai um, and, and also not even Jonathan Glazer but the writer the two writers that do this movie named uh, one uh, Louis Mello and David Sinto okay so they had kind of a shitty start in Hollywood. They wrote a movie called Gangster Number One. Oh, I like that movie. They did not. <laughs> they they uh, wrote their screenplay for Gangster Number One, and they got kind of stuck with a reputation for being kind of wild and like too close to their subjects. Mm. Um, and they they gained this reputation for I guess like combustibility yeah. uh, because they walked off Gangster Number One in, in, in overcasting. I guess they didn't hmm. like the casting, and they felt like they weren't being heard at all. It's a shame, because I think the casting was spot on in that movie. Malcolm McDowell and Paul Bettany. I mean, uh, David Sinto said uh, people told lies about us, and those lies were, lies were absorbed by the industry. We got some kind of intimidating reputation, which wasn't true. All we ever did was defend ourselves and care about putting on a good show. So they didn't like what the, what was happening to and, their script. And it doesn't sound crazy that Hollywood would call them troublemakers for wanting to stand up for themselves, because that seems to be par for the course in a lot of uh, the film industry. Yep. So Louis, Louis Mellis also said walking off Gangster Number 1 was nightmarish. Mm. He said, when you're starting off, I guess you're supposed to be grateful. Yeah. He said, we did hear almost, we did almost hear verbatim, he says, you'll never work in this town again um, uh, they were they were so frustrated that eventually in 2006 um, they just stopped writing together Hmm. they just there was so much past tension that they just you know what let's just go off and do our own thing it's kind of a sad tale because uh, Louis Mellis is working on a lot of stuff with Paramount nowadays And Sinto can't even get an agent. Oh, that's a shame. Because so this was a really good movie, and I would like to see more from those two. Right, yeah. It, and, and like I say, I like Gangster Number 1 a lot, uh, despite whatever problems they have with it. I mean, maybe they just found it was too... They, they made it too mainstream. Maybe. That, considering that this is more of an unfiltered work from them, yeah. I can see why they may have had problems with Gangster Number 1. Yeah. Even though I don't, hate, I don't dislike that movie. But I mean, this is night and day. Not the Tom Cruise, Cameron Diaz movie, but this is a different, totally different... Uh, animal. Is that a British movie? Uh, yes. Ah, we should do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, they sent their script for Sexy Beast to a producer named Jeremy Thomas, who had done uh, two Cronenberg movies. Crash, the, the not not the racism one, but the the car sex one. Naked Lunch, mm-hmm. he had produced. Uh, Bernardo Bertolucci's The Last Emperor, wow. he had also produced. And so they kind of trusted him, like, you know, it seems like he's 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 done some interesting works. Wait, Bertolucci, he was the guy that let uh, Marlon Brando fuck that girl in the ass with butter, right? Yeah. Okay. He's a good guy. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so and they, and they also, they, they did something kind of unheard of, is that they sent their script in and they, want, they put, we want director Jonathan Glazer. Huh. Like, who had never done a movie. Keep that in mind. He had done music videos. They they knew him. Uh, he also was there with them during the whole Gangster Number 1 uh, bullshit. Mm. Uh, so they knew him and they wanted him to direct it because they all got along. And to their surprise, Jeremy Thomas was like, okay. <laughs> so, um, and, it, and then the last thing they kind of say is because we talked a lot about Don Logan, mm. uh, Ben Kingsley's character. 
And they basically said that a lot of his dialogue where he's just cursing and cursing yeah. and cursing and cursing. Like that's a lot of that is them letting out their frustrations yeah. about Hollywood. Like just the like the fucking fat cut, you fat, you fat piece he of shit. He at one point calls somebody a spunk bubble. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a great word. <laughs> I never heard that before. I mean, they, they basically said we, we had some things to say about our frustrations and a lot of it comes out with Don Logan's dialogue. So, Well, and that was, as I understand too, on the set, Ben Kingsley said that you know that, that allowed him to get all his like aggression out for the day and he was me- meek as a, as a kitten the rest of the time on set because he was just he was just able to get his aggressions out in those scenes. <laughs> um, there's there's some great uh, there's some great design stuff in this movie too. Uh, oh, the cinematography in this movie is lovely. The shot composition yeah. is very nice. I love um, this whole thing. We talked about the thing with the, uh, you know, where Ian McShane is <laughs> sodomized by the bank president. Yeah. During those flashback scenes, I really like how so Ben Kingsley's telling the story to or Don is telling the story to Gal, yeah. and sometimes he'll say. Oh, do you know what happened next? And then it's him answering in the flashback. Or yeah, like, it's him in the flashback being told a different story, like the story of, of uh, Teddy at the orgy by the boss. The guy that's running the operation is telling that story to Don. Yeah. So it's like a flashback within a flashback within a flashback. Yeah, like he'll say to he'll say to, to Don in the flashback, do you know who that fucking was? And then you see, and then you'll go to the present time and you'll see Don go, do you know who that fucking was? Yeah. And, and, Gal will be like, no. And then you'll see in the flashback, Donald will be like, no, who's that? <laughs> it's, just, it's very creatively done. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, even the scene like where in the scene in question where Ian McShane is actually getting sodomized, mm. is not, you don't see it per se. but you, no, see you just see his face in, I guess they're in a shower and he's covered in water. Yeah, and, and it's just... like slow motion of him like flailing around yeah. and stuff. But yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Oh, and um, the other design thing I wanted to mention was uh, th- three, three things that I... I Notice, want to point out the gaudy pink titles at the beginning mm. uh, makes it feel like it's not going to be a typical. It's not going to be what you expect. No, it's basically go, it's basically a small little like going against your expectations of what the, even the opening oh, credits absolutely. would look like in this movie. Yeah, the, the the pink text combined with kind of the upbeat music. And, yeah, yeah. It's... The the awkward freeze frame of the title "Sexy Beast" where mm. his leg is just kind of up in the air like he's getting up or whatever and it's like sexy beast and it's the most unappealing shot ever yeah oh absolutely and then and then the other as as you know I don't know if you know this bit but apparently before the movie for two weeks Ray Winstone specifically went to Spain sat in a pool and tanned and just ate so that he would be nice and bloated for this movie and he said it was the best preparation he'd ever had for a movie (laughs) I mean that's that's Christian Bale is jealous right now absolutely um (laughs) Uh, and then, and then the other thing is like when when um, Teddy, I guess, who we don't really see a lot of, but he's the guy telling Don Logan the story about the orgy. Uh, that's not Teddy. That's the boss. Teddy's Ian McShane's. Oh, um, what's his name then? I don't remember. Anyway, he has a different yeah. name. He's the old British guy. Uh, but he's telling a story about how to the orgy, and when you see the orgy, it's just like shots of people just sitting there. He's like talking about how crazy it is, but it's like this, it's just a bunch of people, some of them naked, just sitting there looking so bored, just yeah. wa- facing forward, watching people fuck. And I'm always wondering <laughs> if that's like Don Logan's, uh, in his mind, what he thinks it that's is. That's what he thinks the orgy because is. Because he's, he's like you said, like we both said, he's very repressed. Yes. So it's almost <laughs> like that's what he's seeing. Um, yeah, man. Uh, what else? Uh, I want to talk about what the, the legacy of this movie and what it influenced beyond it specifically. Okay. And I didn't realize this um, at first until I read up on the movie a little bit. But when I was watching the movie initially, this time, uh, that opening scene of, of uh, a gal like, basically hanging out on his patio, I thought, oh, this reminds me of Michael in Grand Theft Auto V. Uh. 
And then I read up on it, and it's like, yeah, this whole movie strongly influenced the the Michael Trevor dynamic in in the game Grand Theft Auto Five. Now oh, I don't shit. know if any of you have played Grand Theft Auto Five, but in that game, um, Michael Townley is a former. Uh, gangster essentially he had, had done some jobs and he had faked his death and gotten out of the game and in the course of the early parts of the game your former partner trevor who's a crazy insane person yeah. figures out that you're still alive and comes back and finds you and tries to get you in on another job and it's clearly directly inspired by this movie and now obviously i wouldn't say that trevor is the same as uh, as uh, Don Logan in this movie, but but definitely shares a lot of the same like just volatility and the narrative structure too, and a similar narrative structure in that part. Now, obviously, GTA Five is a big game, and there's yeah. many more plot threads going on, For but sure. that is one of the definitely one of the main ones of him being hauled back into the game, which of course, to be fair, is a a classic gangster plot trope, as it were, of the the guy that's out, but they have to pull him back in. You know, and right. you remember Godfather Three, of course. Yeah, just when they just when I thought I was out there, they, they pulled me back in. in. Godfather Three, the superior, the best Godfather films. movie, absolutely. Yeah, the best gangster movie of all time. Sofia Coppola's masterpiece. <laughs> as far as Sofia Coppola as an actress, she is a great director. Absolutely. <laughs> so wow, I so I didn't even know that. That's crazy. Yeah, no, and and and, and it totally made sense, and it's, I'm I'm glad because I love this movie, and I'm glad that the the uh, rock star folks uh, liked it as much as I did to to make it a basis for and that this game. Is the, this is the thing, like it, like it just it like subverts the genre. Mm. It's like Jonathan Glazer's not satisfied with just making a British gangster yeah. movie. He Anybody can do that. He Guy Ritchie does that. <laughs> Even Guy Ritchie kind of subverts the genre a little bit. Yeah. Like I mean, his style. I mean, is aped by a lot of people. It is, and it, but it is it is one of those things when you see it, you're like, that's a Guy Ritchie movie, or yeah. somebody who watched too many Guy Ritchie movies. Exactly. And that's why I think uh, maybe Guy Ritchie doing things like King Arthur doesn't quite work. <laughs> yeah, no, not the same, no. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, it, like I said, like Jonathan Blazer's not satisfied with just making a British gangster movie. He, this easily could have been just Big Kings are recruiting Ray Winstone. Yeah. They do a heist. They have some funny quips. Big King's a kind of a dick, but he's yeah. still kind of a buddy. He's got a heart of gold, he does. No, yeah. he doesn't. He has no heart. And especially as that heart probably got winged by the bullet when it was put in his chest. And you know, why don't we just play one more clip of Ben Kingsley? Let's do it. I want to, I would sit here all day and listen to Ben Kingsley in this movie. I'm going to Do it. She's madness. I've had enough of this crime and punishment bollocks. I'm happy here. I won't let you be happy. Why should I? Friday, the Grosvenor, you'll be there. I won't. You will, I told Ted you're doing it. Don't you show me up. No, I won't be there. You will, you missed the Roundtree. No, Don. Yes, Roundtree. No. Yes, Grosvenor. No, Don. Friday. I won't be there. You will. No, Don. Yes, 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 yes. Don, this... Stop killing ourselves, eh? We both know the reason you're here, and it's not just because of me. What'd you say? It's not just because of me. What are you talking about? You didn't come here. Just because of me. I find this astonishing. You're amazing. This is astounding. <laughs> Repeat. Let's be honest. This is about Jackie.
I come over here for professional reasons, nothing else. On a professional mission, I've got to get a team together, I've got to handpick a team. And I had you in mind for that team. But quite frankly, your attitude appalls me. It's not what you're saying. It's all the stuff you're not saying. Insinuendos. You really are demonstrating some whopping great ego, my friend. I keep that jacket off you. Because that's all beginning this could be a right turn off. Now, if you don't want to do the job, fair enough, I can accept that and we'll leave it at that. And considering what I know about you and the outrageousness of what's going on inside your head, whatever stinky thoughts you're having, which I don't want to know, because they're so disgusting. Fucking hell, fucking hell. I would like to leave now, this minute, please. Give me a taxi. Fuck. <laughs> But, like, the, the physical performance in that scene, obviously, this is a podcast, you can't see it, but but Ben Kingsley is, like, thru- he's, like, he's like pacing back and forth as he's yelling at, at Gal and thrusting his head at him. And and Gal looks like a beaten child. Like, yeah. he's just, he's so worn down by having to deal with Don. He's just, he looks so defeated and sad, and, and Don is just, like, thrusting his head at him, and like, ow, ew, ah, just, it, it's intense. It's so good. You want to know the first movie I ever saw Ray Winstone in? What's that? The Departed. Oh, I I feel like this is the movie I've seen him in. I I can't. I've seen him in other movies, but I couldn't name them. He's uh, Jack Nicholson's second hand man in that movie. Hmm. He's the one who doubts Leo DiCaprio's uh, devotion. Does he put on an American accent in that movie? I haven't seen Departed in a long time. Uh I don't remember because I would love to. I want to hear Ray Winstone's American accent. <laughs> I I loved walking into uh, a theater watching that movie and just seeing them react to the elevator scene. Yeah, that was also my favorite thing to do. No spoilers if you haven't seen it. It's a great movie. It's a great fucking movie. Anyway, uh, yeah, so Sexy Beast. Fucking the sexiest beast. So let me ask you this then. Sure, hit me. And I mean, this might be a difficult question, but I'm going to put it to you anyway. I'll do my best. If this was going to go on a top 100 for British film, where where do you see it falling? I don't mean exact number, but maybe we'll say like... On my list, top 20. quadrant? On my list, top twenty. On a on a new BFI list, I'd say I would probably put it in the top fifty. Okay, so you think it'd be at least above fifty? I, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. I think absolutely. This, I think where this film is two is was came out in two thousand, so it's been out. It's almost twenty years now. Yeah, it's been uh, you know it's been like a. A lot of people know what it is. Mm. It's it's one of those movies where it's not like you know it's not world famous, but no. I mean. It's just one of those movies that stands out from my past. That, you know, who talks about Sexy Beast anymore? It's I mean, just, film fans, I think, know what it is. If they, if they have any love of Ben Kingsley, they should know about this movie. And by the way, Jonathan Glazer has another movie coming out uh, next year, I believe. They let him make another one. Don't know what it is, but yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming he's been working on this for 17 years. Absolutely. So uh, I'm assuming it's going to be just following Tom Hanks around on a city, uh, crowded city street where no one recognizes him. So it took him 17 years to film it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they do with Scarlett I'm, I'm Tom Hanks why doesn't anybody recognize me I mean that's what they do with Scarlett Johansson like yeah. they've uh, he does crazy shit like this he went took her into the city and nobody recognized her well it makes sense too especially if it's I, I don't know what city they film that in do you know uh, they filmed it somewhere in Europe I'm not sure oh okay so it was a European city so yeah maybe Scarlett Johansson is known but it's like you you know you're in the middle of fucking Wurttemberg or something you don't she expect also, to see Scarlett Johansson walking yeah. down the street you think oh man that girl looks like Scarlett she Johansson she also did look like herself completely so. yeah she was uh, in, a, in a weird state and acting weird yeah that's the whole point of that movie 
Watch that movie, guys. Great movie. And yes, Jason, thank you. Sexy Beast was fantastic. Yes, I loved I'm, it. I, I'm it glad great. I could share it with you because I love it. I uh, I think it deserves a spot. Yeah. So we're putting that to the audience. I'd like to just like, you know, I'm thinking. I'm thinking I'll put a poll out there Yeah. to see what people think. Yeah. Does this movie deserve to be on another on a revival of the BFI Top 100. And if you don't think so, Jason might come and well, kill you. Well, I know one movie starring one Ray Fiennes that we could get rid of to make room for it. No, that's Joseph that's in Shakespeare Love. Oh, you don't know what I'm talking about. Ah, ah the English are still patient. There patience. we go, yeah. That could probably sit at 101 and nobody would be saying. You know what? I, I, could, I could kick it off and just leave it as the 99 best for show. Fine, so I'm fine, okay yeah. with that. <laughs> Maybe 98 if we get rid of another movie. Yeah. Women in love, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So oh, this, I thought we were gonna say, I was gonna say. I know. I know you deny the Cambodian genocide. Oh well, that's. I could take it or leave it. <laughs> um, that one is a little bit more historically significant. I'd probably kick Gandhi off and keep this one, honestly. Yeah. So, but um, the only other thing I really want to get into a little bit here is the there's it's a fairly small budget, four million dollar budget, mm-hmm. ends up making ten point two. So that's a good return. I feel like there wasn't a huge marketing budget, so no. I feel like they got some money back on this one. No, that's. I think that's a studio. I think movie movie studios like that sort of movie. It's a movie that's profitable in the end, and that's a win for them. Um, at the Baftas, it's uh, nominated for best British film and loses to Billy Elliot. Okay. Yeah. Um, and at the Oscars, of course, Ben Kingsley is nominated for best supporting actor. Other nominees that year include Ethan Hawke for Training Day, mm-hmm. uh, Ian McKellen for Fellowship of the Ring, okay, John Voight for Ali. Okay. And the winner that year was Jim Broadbent for Iris. Right. I don't think I ever saw Iris, but Jim Broadbent deserves it. Oh, gave me an Oscar, you did. <laughs> it gave him an Oscar, miss. <laughs> oh, it's right. It gave him a fucking Oscar. Oh, God. I thought they were done. They're still <laughs> sitting there. Oh, we love Jim Broadbent. He's the best. He loves having drinks to us when we see him in public. I don't know why he does. He doesn't have to. He's an actor, after all, but he loves it. Oh, good Lord. The guys, just we're almost done. We're Not almost now. done. We're wrapping up, guys. Um, so I mean, this movie gets praised pretty much across the board. I mean, I think it's like an eighty-seven percent of Rotten Tomatoes or something. And fuck all those thirteen percent. Fuck them. <laughs> fuck the thirteen percent. That's right. Uh, it gets praised from writers of the San Francisco Chronicle, Entertainment Weekly, Slate, Rolling Stone, L.A. Times. Wait, fourteen percent. Fourteen percent. You said eighty-six. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but it was panned by one Stephen Hunter of the Washington Post, who described some of the film's moments as "quote Ben Kingsley spraying saliva lubricated variants of the f word into the atmosphere like anti-aircraft fire for ten solid minutes." And he doesn't like it. I, I read that and I actually was like, "That's an insult." I, I I would see that in a good review. That exact same phrase for someone to boil the movie down to just that is ludicrous. I mean, that's a big part of it, sure, but that's just one element. There's so much going on yeah. here, though. I mean, and also uh, Variety uh, described it as often enjoyable, often enjoyable, but massively uneven. I would disagree. No, I think it's pretty solid. Uh, the main thrust of the positive criticism of this movie, which was most people, uh, was that there was a strong emphasis on performances rather than the heist itself, which many critics really appreciated. That's another thing I actually yeah. wanted to mention before we kind of wrap up here. The heist itself is not important. No. Unlike many heist movies... We, only see, see, we really only see a little bit of it. We see them diving underwater and drilling into the safe. Like, yeah. We don't see anything beyond that. We don't know how they got there. We don't know how they set everything this up. Is, this is not an Ocean's Eleven. No. You don't see the long setup, which, I mean, I like an Ocean's yeah. Eleven. I'm not saying anything against it. No, those movies are perfectly fine, but that's not what this movie but is. That's, yeah, exactly. That's good for that movie. Like, you don't see the setup. You don't have the long-winded, like, we got to put a team together. It's literally like, okay, now he has to do that job. Oh, there's the job. Okay, the movie's over. Because like, that's not really what the movie's about. No, and that's I, that took me off, it caught me off guard in a good way. 
Right. The only negative thing I would say about this movie is that while everybody's great in it and I enjoy it very much, the, I'm just slightly less compelled when Ben Kingsley isn't on screen. And, I, and I'm sad that he goes away relatively early in the movie. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I, w- I want to see a whole movie about Don Logan. I will watch <laughs> two straight hours of Don Logan. Give us that prequel. Come on, we need it. The so, Don Logan story. Are <laughs> we going to start it now? Would it, would it just be called Logan? <laughs> yes, Logan. It, the, the new movie, Logan, starring I, Ben Kingsley. It's in I, black and white. I think that's what that's about. It's yeah. called Hugh Jackman, right? Can we digitally replace Hugh Jackman with Ben <laughs> with Ben Kingsley? Please, no. <laughs> ben Kingsley That'd be a lot of bald on screen, him and Patrick Stewart together. Ben Kingsley takes out his adamantium claws. <laughs> oh, I'll f- cut your fucking face, I will. <laughs> no, you won't. Yes, I will. Why yes, would I? I will. I will. Why would I? I'll cut it. I'll cut it. I'll cut it right off. I'll use your hands as ashtrays. <laughs> so that was uh, that was Sexy Beast. Mm. That was your Brit pick. Please watch it, folks. I uh, approve. Yeah. I'm, I'm on board. So that means that we have another Brit pick. Yeah, my Brit pick. Coming next week. Next week. Just and Brendan, what the hell did you pick? Batman Returns. da 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 uh no so my brit pick i you know i juggled a few options there i thought about a couple different ones but i thought since we're since we went you went with a uh sort of crime like gangster drama dark comedy thing Mm. i thought of doing something a little different so um we're gonna watch another mike lee film who did life is sweet which i think we both really liked we adored yes um it's a movie that came out in 2000 and and i hope this is right 2008 i believe uh, it's called Happy Go Lucky. Oh. And it's a movie starring uh, Sally Hawkins, who many people know now from uh, The Shape of Water. Okay. And she's also in Paddington and Paddington 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of movies, actually. She was in the new Godzilla, too, as well. Nice. Uh, but she's a great actor. And this is a Mike Lee movie that I, re- I remember really, really, really enjoying. Um, it's got a uh, dark undercurrent. Uh, but it's, you know, light and fluffy on top. So we'll see how that plays out. All right. So, yeah, next week. Happy Go Lucky. Woo! We're going to watch it, and I will make my case for being on the list in the future. Yeah. All right. That's all I got. Um, but Jason, so we're obviously not going to roll the dice. No. So what I'll say is um, check us out on the social media. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for For Screen. And Country. You can also find us on Twitter at BFI underscore pod. You can also find Jason on Twitter. At Jason D. McLeod. That's M-A-C-L-E-O-D. And he is a sexy beast. Yeah, I, you see me retweeting other people occasionally and, and occasionally being mad about work. That's my Twitter feed, folks. Yeah, he retweets a lot of Eric Trump. <laughs> I just love the guy. He's just so cool. <laughs> Everybody else is just so triggered. Am I right? He's the best Trump. Uh, he doesn't need to write a book to please, to please daddy. He just is, man. Did you see when Donald Trump Jr. was on TV the other day and he was literally like, uh, he's like, I can't, it's like Hunter Biden, like trading on his dad's name to make money <laughs> with no sense of irony whatsoever. That's crazy. <laughs> I, I that's am, the thing about, that's the thing about these people. They have no self-awareness, but that's not what this podcast is about. It blows my mind every single time. <laughs> also, one of the Trumps is on Chris Jericho's podcast, which I'm still trying to wrap my head around. Which one? <laughs> Tiffany? No, Baron. it was Eric or Tr- oh. Tr- Junior. Um, I think it was Junior. Whoever wrote, uh, whoever wrote, oh, Trigger. wrote the book. The, I think that's yeah, Donald Junior. Don, yeah, Don Junior. Which I'm like, what? Yeah. Anyway, that's another story. Yeah. Um, but what I got to say to you, Jason, is next week we, like I said, talk about Happy Go Lucky Brit Pick number two. I'm excited. I got to say to you, God save the queen. God save the screen. For screen and country, I'm Brendan and I'm Jason. Oh, and I'm Clive. Shut it down. You gotta get the fuck out of here. I'm gonna get to bed.
Bye, everybody. Right back. Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. A real gangster-ass nigga plays his cards right. A real gangster-ass nigga never runs his fucking mouth, cause real gangster-ass niggas don't start fights. And niggas always got a high cap. Showing all his boys how we shot him. But real gangster-ass niggas don't flex nuts, cause real gangster-ass niggas know they got him. And everything's cool in the mind of a gangster, cause gangster-ass niggas think deep. Up 365, yo, 24-7, cause real gangster-ass niggas don't sleep. And all I gotta say to you, wanna be, gonna be, cocksucking pussy pranksters, is when the fire dies down, what the fuck you gonna do? Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. <laughs> So, this week, of course, we're talking about, what did we do after Caravaggio? Caravaggio was a man, he was a dragon man, uh, was it Dr. No? Yeah, okay. Dr. No. You could, you could just do the whole thing again. Oh, you really, you're gonna, you're gonna make, edit yourself doing that? You piece of shit, you're the worst you're the worst. You're the laziest. Even though you do all the work on the podcast, you're the laziest person in the world. Yeah, What's I'm that? having my Christian Bale moment. It's time. It's time. Let's check our cue, baby. Pair it with a couple brews, baby. We love your movies. We love the bad ones, too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh, yeah. Everything I learned from movies helps to make life a little bit groovy. With a one-last plot holes, a gratuitous boobies. It's time to get busy with your friend Steven Izzy. At eilfm.podbean.com. Hey, this is Liz. And this is Heather. And we are Nerdy Bitches Podcast. A show where two geeky ladies podcast their way through pop culture. From movies and TV to our regular book club and everything in between, we bring you our favorite fandoms with a feminine eye. We're talking Star Wars, Star Trek, Harry Potter, DC Marvel, comic books, and anime. And don't forget sci-fi, fantasy, action movies, video games, D&D, board games, and so much more. Be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbeam, or wherever you find awesome podcasts. You can also find us hanging out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and at nerdybitches.com. Talk to you soon.